10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone. This is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, how was your latest trip to Clemson, which I'm guessing was a very different trip than more recent trips in years, yes? No, actually, uh, <laughs> it was exactly the same. But it was, even, if anything, it was even better because having missed a year, um, we were all seemed to be more excited to to do both the traditions that we've come to to love and uh, and to cheer at the game and to have an incredible tailgate. It was an awesome time, as usual. Noted listener Ryan Tozier kind of takes the lead on organizing these trips. We stay at his place on Thursday. He has a new house this year, so it's great seeing that and walking to downtown Smyrna to have some beverages and and some food. And then Saturday or Friday, we wake up, drive to Clemson have our lunch at the Smoking Pig, one of the finest barbecue joints in the country. Got some uh, dry rub ribs and some brisket. <clears throat> and after, after lunch, uh, one guy kind of took a walk around the, uh, the brisket uh, restaurant there, the grounds of the brisket restaurant. And then we moved on to our cabin that we rented on a lake. It was gorgeous this year. It had a bed for everyone, which is a big upgrade. That's something uh, as the years have gone on, Timmy, we've, uh, we've, insisted that everyone have a bed which was which was great um our buddy doc christie and his lovely wife heather heather actually ordered a bunch of wagyu steaks from australia for us that we grilled and ate it was we had a fire pit it was awesome and then saturday arrived at the tailgate around 10 30 for 7 30 game it was a long day but uh, most of us made it through we had a, a crawfish boil that attracted a lot of attention from people and uh it worked out perfectly it was delicious even though we learned it was not crawfish season, these were frozen crawdads. Uh, that was a fact pointed out by a few interested passersby from Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, it was fun being back in the stadium. It was a great first half. I stayed out in the second half to try and watch Indiana Penn State. Thankfully, we had some television issues and I didn't was not subjected to that. Clemson <laughs> won the ball game uh, in a, a, an exciting game at the end. Boston College was driving to, to take the lead and probably – uh, you had to take the lead, and uh, they fumbled inside deep in Clemson territory with less than 30 seconds left, I believe. And Clemson eked out a win, but it was an, it was a beautiful day. You really would not have noticed. You you couldn't have you couldn't tell it, it was anything with COVID, and you couldn't tell that Clemson was not having a great year from the tailgate. Now, when we went into the stadium, it was still a great crowd, but there was a lot of grumbling, predictably about the play callings and the offensive coordinator and DJ. Um, but I think uh, I, I was actually more impressed with how the Clemson fans shows than, than what I was expecting. I was expecting a few more empty seats and maybe a few more empty uh, uh, tailgate spots in the parking lot, but it wasn't a B. It was an awesome, awesome weekend. It reminded me uh, just how much we all love college football and how great it is to be on campus and, and tailgating with your friends. Well, good on the Clemson fans. I, I, I was talking to my dad. My dad was in town this week with my mom and my sister which was nice. Um, and we were talking about Clemson and, you know, like we know, Mike, it's funny, like 
younger kids, like Jack has only known Clemson being awesome, right? I know, it's hilarious. And like, you know, my dad, of course, like he's known Clemson for, we know Clemson, what Clemson was before. I think Clemson fans have that valuable um, context for, I think they truly appreciate what that amazing run and i'm not saying it's oh it's not over like but like they appreciated what that was understand it cannot last forever right yeah yeah no i think i think you're completely right and i also uh i applaud you for saying it's not over they could easily win the acc this year they're not they're not going to go to the playoff but you know 10 and uh, 11 and 2 season winning the acc is is pretty damn good so uh i would say uh good on good on clemson fans as well so my weekend, uh, my parent, my, my mom, dad, and my sister Carlene came out to visit. Um, they saw my son Jack playing his homecoming game. They won 14-6 win, Mike, over Wissahickon. I just showed, Very nice. He, uh, had, he, had two, he had Jack had two PATs, I assume? Yeah, but he, he did shank a, a field goal in the first half, which was disappointing. However, he had another converted onside kick. He's a master. Oh, wow. Kick. Yeah. He should um, go play in college for uh, Presbyterian, that coach who onside kicks every, every kickoff. I think he has seven converted onside kicks this year, actually. That is an impressive statistic. Yeah. Um, so they were in town for Friday night. That was awesome. And then we spent the whole day on Saturday, except for like one soccer game, watching college football. It was great. And it turned out to be, and in my mind, Mike, that may, and I, you probably missed most of it because you were like, you know, otherwise occupied. It was, I think, the best weekend of college football of the year. It was a phenomenal weekend. A lot of stuff happened, a lot of amazing results, a lot of great finishes. So we have much to talk about. Um, yeah, I would say everything during the day prior, the first two windows, the noon window and the 3.30, we were very, very attuned. Um, we have a TV set up, a dish TV uh, uh, set up. So we watched game day and we watched a lot of the nooners and click around on the, the 3.30s too. It was only when we, when we went into the game for the night game and then we had some uh, technical difficulties per usual, I might add. Uh, in, in, at, at night uh, that we weren't really attuned to, to the college football world. So it's not just us that has tech issues, Mike, that happens down there? No, no, it's it's definitely not just us. We have some direct TV. I mean, there are lots of theories as to what uh, the problem with the technology is at our tailgate. I mean, my, my, my personal one is maybe we need some uh, more modern technology. But, you know, who am I to say? The reality is we're getting old now, so we like we probably are not up to date on what works, right? <laughs> if, if we were like like low thirties, I'm sure all those tailgates have things working wonderfully, right? <laughs> well, they can't afford anything, so we who would who knows? <laughs> all right, let's get into it, Mike. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this one. If you saw the game at all, we said. I remember telling you last week. I was like, oh, I gotta. I, I think, I think that, uh, that Maryland has a chance to win this game, and you were like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Number five, Iowa, 51, Maryland, 14. To me, this, unfortunately, Mike, and I said this is a Maryland alum, this is an on-brand result for Maryland. Is it y- not? Yes, a- absolutely. We, I watched um, all of the first half and, and most uh, much of the second half until, you know, the result was uh, inevitable. Classic Maryland, once they get the eyes of the nation, once they let, get a little good momentum, once they get a little uh, love in the press, once the students become a little bit interested in it, they <laughs> basically poop the bed. And that's what this was. Now, albeit it was to a great Iowa team, and I don't use that word lightly. I really think this Iowa team is great. Their offense played great. Their defense is always great. But Maryland's turnovers, seven turnovers, and a lot of them were just very, very poor throws by uh, Talia. And 
it was not a it was not a good result. There was no one in the stands in the second half, and I'm not blaming them for not being there, but it was it was a bad look, and it just seems like this is the kind of loss that can uh, propel Maryland in a downward spiral for the rest of the year. It's a shame. So it's like, um, look, you and I both know, Mike, Maryland is not um, college football country. But no. I look back on, was it the 01 season with Ralph Regan? Yeah. That was such a magical season. And when things get rolling there, it's not called Bird Stadium anymore, right? It's not Bird. No, no, it's, it's just called Maryland Stadium. I mean, it's a, it's a nice – not it's a nice stadium i think it's a cool it's a bit it's a nice mid-sized stadium yeah um it's similar to Folsom field i feel like in colorado it's kind of the same mm-hmm. kind of setup yeah um, I, would, I would kind of agree um and what's crazy to me too is like there is some high level high school football in the dc area there's some oh yeah top level talent down there which is why ohio state's down there and pence's down there and maryland's down there and Vatech and michigan the rest of them right but like it's just not a college football vibe and to your point, except for that 0-1 season, it just feels like every time Maryland gets to the point where it's like they can just get over the top and get – they got those students excited, and then what a letdown. <laughs> it's such yeah, a problem. It, it was an incredible letdown. Since they joined the Big Ten, Tim, 2014, Maryland 0-24 against ranked Big Ten opponents. So, clearly, they can never get that over-the-top win. And we'll get more into Iowa later. Look, last week, Iowa's coming off. We all know Iowa's defense is legit, right? Mm-hmm. They've just got this wonderful system in place at Iowa where every three years they're going to be really, really good. This year they look yeah. really good. Um, but the offense woke up this week too, which is like – Scary. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, number 13, BYU 34, Utah State 20. BYU is here for a reason. So much attention this week on Cincinnati. BYU's path to the playoff is much clearer than Cincy's is, Mike. You think? They have they will have at the end of the year a better strength of schedule without question. Without question. They will have a better strength of schedule, but look at the Pac-12 teams that they're beating. I mean, I think they for, we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but Cincinnati desperately needs Notre Dame to run the table essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least lose maybe just one other game. And because it was, it's Notre Dame and because of where they started the season and because of how well they finished last season, again, the college football playoff, people say that has no, that makes no uh, um, impact on their decisions this year, but they're human beings. I think it does. I think if they both, both these teams are 12 and 0 Cincinnati would go. Look, we have a, there's a long way to go, Mike. <laughs> there is, there absolutely is a long way to go. Um. Number one, Bama 42, number 12, Ole Miss 21. On one hand, it's like, you know, let's just say it. Like, until someone beats them, I kind of – same thing with Ohio State in the Big Ten. It's like they're the kings at Bama until someone beats them, and no one can, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, well, I think that uh, a couple things happened this game. One, we had this on for a while at the tailgate, and, and it was one of those deals where every time you looked up, uh, Bama had scored another touchdown. It was 35 nothing in the second quarter. Led to lots of resigned head shaking among us and our tailgate neighbors. Um, I think uh, Nick Saban was tired of hearing about Lane Kiffin and how many yards and points they put up against Bama last <laughs> year. There was a personal aspect of this, I believe, in the way Alabama per, uh, prepared. But you're right. It's uh, 
nothing is nothing. The least ex, uh, a surprising thing in the history of the world is Alabama winning a football game. Uh, till they, till they, till someone in the SEC shows that they can beat them, they are uh, unquestionably the best team. Although a game we'll get to, I'm sure next Georgia, they're looking damn good too. This is my question. So number number two, Georgia thirty-seven. Number eight, Arkansas zero. Arkansas has looked phenomenal this year. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And what makes this result particularly notable to me was like Ole Miss is not a um, front seven kind of team. They are a finesse team. And a, yeah. Arkansas has been a front seven, front five kind of team. And they like, they've been beating people up. They beat Texas up, right? Um, Georgia beat the hell out of them. Yeah. Right? And to and we'll get to this later. It's hard to it's hard to put anyone in the same class with Bama in, in this current situation, but if there's any team right now that has the results speak to that, it's Georgia. Without yeah, those two have really separated themselves this year from everybody else. Um, I think what the narrative we kind of heard I heard from several people leading up into to that. Uh, uh, Georgia Arkansas game was that they were worried Arkansas was going to kind of run out of gas. Right. So they had the huge upset against Texas. Then just a week ago, they go on the road and beat Texas A&M. Then all of a sudden they're in the national spotlight. You have ESPN coming to campus. Everybody loves Sam Pittman. Everybody knows KJ Jefferson's their quarterback all of a sudden. And they kind of physically ran out of gas. And there was, I mean, not, not that they're in the same league as Georgia. They're not, but, this, it was a, it was a rough kind of schedule moment for them, and and uh, I don't know. I felt you could kind of see that one coming. I, I was surprised by the score. I mean, yeah, not surprised that Georgia won, but that was a impressive statement by Georgia. It really was. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely was. Georgia Georgia has looked the part. Uh, Stanford thirty one, number three Oregon twenty four. This I saw most of this game, a really entertaining game. First yeah. thing, I'm like, I hate to be critical. I am a big nerd for a, a nice looking field. Mm-hmm. Stanford's turf does not look very good. <laughs> they did their attendance did not look very good either. Whenever the, the rare the rare moments they did a crowd shot, whoo, lightly attended game there. Yeah, again, like just I, I, I implore them. I, I I'm guessing there may be a drought situation happening out there, but like I would implore them to find a way to water the grass a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is a drought. There's either a drought or a fire or something. It's California. That being said, Stanford's good for one of these every single year. It feels like yeah, <laughs> they absolutely are. Now, now they kind of have two because they they beat USC too. Got USC's coach fired. Um, Oregon hasn't really looked great since beating Ohio State. They have a lot of injuries, from what I understand. Um, but they struggled against a very poor Arizona team, and uh, it's a tough loss for Oregon. I don't think it knocks them totally out of the playoff picture. Obviously, it's their one mulligan. If they lose again, they're done for. Um, and they could still win out and not make it, but uh, it's it's a rough loss for them, especially the way it went down, stopping Stanford as the time ran out, only to get a penalty, and then Stanford scoring on the untimed down. That's got to sting. And I will say, I mean, I was not totally sold on the pass interference. I thought it was – Yeah, it was, it was questionable. It could have gone either way. And also, we were, again, it was me, my dad, my sister, and my mom watching the game. And I personally, Mike, am not a big fan of the fade. Yeah. <laughs> and they ran that, what, three times in a row or whatever? Um, yeah. 
And I'm like, I hate, I hate that call. It's such, it seems to be like a 50-50 toss-up, right? Um, until I heard today Rick Neuheisel, who you might both enjoy on Full Ride, broke down why they do it. And it's not complicated. Like Stanford's receiver is like 6'5", <laughs> 210. And the corner right. that you're at was like five inches shorter and 20 pounds lighter. And it's like, okay, take your chances, right? Like, Yeah, you know? I, I agree with you, though, unless you have one of those awesome receivers, like, I don't know, a Julio Jones or something like that. Right. Yeah. It does. It does seem to be also, I think underrated is that the quarterback has to too often. The quarterback just kind of chucks it up in the direction of the guy going, doing the fade. Yeah. The, the, the quarterback has to be more precise than it, than you would realize for that play to work. Um, but it did finally after three or four attempts. Great game though. Um, Number four, Penn State, 24, Indiana, zero. I say it every week, so bear with me here, Mike, okay? I guess. So how much did you see this game? Very, very little because I missed the first half and then uh, the uh, aforementioned technical difficulties in the second half. But I'm um, very, very glad that I did not see it. Uh, uh, Penix is broken. He's yeah. He's just not himself. Um, look, I, I, I told you guys a text today. I think this is legit the best – Penn State defense in like 16 years. They are good in every way. They are good on a D-line. Linebackers are great. The secondary is unbelievable. And Indiana couldn't do a thing. Um, that being said, looking honestly at it, you look at the reality is to win a national title these days or make the playoff even, you need to be great on defense and great on offense. Penn State is great on defense and they are middling to average on offense except mm-hmm. for Jahan Dotson. I just I cannot see Penn State navigating a schedule that includes Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State and Iowa without losing. There's just no way I would think. There's no way. Yeah, I mean and that that's not to say that Penn State is not a, a great team, but the four the, the schedule in that in that Big Ten East when these when these top teams, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, all play each other, none of them played each other yet. They're all they all play each other. There's no telling how that's going to turn out. But I would be very surprised if anyone, maybe with the exception of Ohio State, swept those games. Right, I agree. I totally agree. And like, and then for for poor Penn State, unfortunately, this is the year their Iowa's their crossover game, and that uh, that does not help. Now, uh, number six, Oklahoma 37, K-State 21. Here for one reason, for the first week, the Sooners' offense woke up. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was 31, I believe, because, right. uh, yeah, I do think uh, Kansas State covered. I think maybe a good thing for, for uh, Oklahoma was to get away from home because after that booing debacle uh, last week to go on the road, and uh, it seems they regained a little of their uh, offensive mojo. So, Mike th- – to me, like one of the most remarkable um, results in, to me, like recent seasons even, is Cincinnati going on the road as a favorite, right? As a favorite mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. And beating Notre Dame was a 24-13. Is that what the score was? Yep, 24-13. I'll say, so in 19, I think it was 1992, my brother was just looking at Penn State as a college and – Penn State went to Cincinnati and played them there. And this was not a great Penn State team. It was just like a seven and five team. They beat Cincinnati 81 to nothing. 
Oh my God. To think what, I'll do credit, Brian Kelly, yes, what he did there, and what Luke Fickles built there, to see Cincinnati, Cincinnati as a top, a legit top 10, top five team is unbelievable. I watched that game. They are good. They are yeah, good. they are. I mean, I watched them against both Indiana and much of the game against uh, Notre Dame. I wouldn't call it one of the most remarkable results in recent memory because of what you said. Cincinnati was the favorite. Now, Notre Dame, say what you will about them. They'd won 26 in a row at home. And they're still Notre Dame. They have some quarterback issues. They have some offensive line issues. But to be shut out in the first half, that never happens to Notre Dame. And then you look at Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter at quarterback, some of those guys they have on defense. These are legit great players. So it's still a a monumental win for Cincinnati. Um, But you watch the game, and there was no doubt Cincinnati was the better team. Nothing fluky about the win. Ritter is an excellent player. He really, yeah, he really is. Um, and and I, I forget, like, how did he land there, Mike? Did, did... I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that he's a dad. <laughs> yes. we, we, heard, we heard that about a thousand times over the week. How about this? What a renaissance for football in the kind of weird, is it in the south or the north area of Cincinnati and Kentucky? Kentucky 20, number 13, Florida 13. The first win for Kentucky, I think, at home over Florida, it's since 1999. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was something like that. Um, yeah, that was that was a very exciting end to that game. We uh, we were able to watch a little bit of the end of that game, and there were a lot of happy people seeing uh, seeing Florida lose. But Mark Stoops, coach for life in Lexington, right? Yeah, you get them seven, eight wins a year. And you with one win like this over Florida sprinkled in every couple seasons, and uh, that's the best you can hope for for Kentucky. So these are these are the salad days for Kentucky football. That was a that was a huge win over the Gators. If you're Mark Stoops, just be the Kirk Ferentz of the SEC, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just be happy and stay there. But I mean, by all accounts, that's what he's going to do. But uh, he's a he's it seems to be a great fit for that program. Number 11, Ohio State 52, Rutgers 13. I mean, like, this is not to besmirch Rutgers. They're, they're definitely improved this year. Um, they are improved. To me, this, this is what makes the Big Ten East race interesting. Ohio State is the only elite offense in that league. Their defense, to me, is still not great. So I'll be very curious to see what happens when they play these teams to me, like again, Penn State's defense is elite. Um, Michigan looks great. It'd be very interesting. I'm, I'm curious, Mike. It is, and I, I, I think that a lot of people are kind of overlooking Ohio State a little bit. They kind of forgot about them after the Oregon game because, admittedly, they do have issues on defense. But let's not forget they're still Ohio State, right? And they have that offense. They have some of the best receivers in the country. They have one of the best running backs in the country and that freshman he's incredible now they were probably never going to be tested by Rutgers but let's just see what happens as uh, as this season unfolds with Ohio State because I would not want to play them no matter what you never want to play them <laughs> no definitely not and of course the Terps have them this week uh, Mississippi State 26 number 15 A&M 22 vintage like how quickly your season can change right yeah AM all of a sudden in total crisis mode. Total crisis. Well, they, once they lost their quarterback, their offense has been terrible under the backup. Um, but people don't care. And Jim, Jimbo got that 
major, major raise before the season. Uh, you know, he, it's funny, as to, to your point, heading into the season, you were like, what's going to be one of the most eagerly anticipated games in the SEC? Alabama going to College Station to take on the Aggies in prime time this Saturday. And now it's the game is almost an afterthought because of Texas A&M struggles. So, yeah, it is, imp- it is amazing how quickly things can change. So, so folks know that there is still a Big 12 conference, Mike. <laughs> we already talked about the Oklahoma K-State game. Really exciting. <laughs> number 19 Okie State 24 number 21 Baylor 14 Okie State's just hanging around and like wouldn't it be great to see them like have like kind of like their vengeance here because of oh their- yeah yeah I was just, I was thinking the same exact thing if they can make it to that to Bedlam with uh and make that game meaningful like say like the winner knocks the loser out of the big 12 title game or something like that that would be an epic epic matchup five and oh for the Cowboys pretty impressive Number 22, Auburn 24, LSU 19. I watched this game. Um, Bo Nix has been such a focus, a, a point of focus for, like, Auburn fans. But, like, I think he, he's been a thing in college for a while now. Um, yeah. And to his credit, look, last week was a disaster week for him. He got benched or, against Georgia State, came in here, played a phenomenal game. I know this is not a vintage LSU team by any means. It's still but, Tiger Stadium at set on Saturday night, though. To walk in there and make the plays he made, that's a huge, huge achievement for Bo Nix. So good on him. Yeah, I got to give him credit. I completely agree. I think, to your point, he's got experience. I think he has 28 starts under his belt or something like that. Um, but I was, I've been on this show since the season started talking about his struggles on the road and how I just don't think he's an elite quarterback. To your point, LSU has been – absolutely average since winning the national championship and losing their two uh, coordinators, Joe Brady and Dave Aranda, Uh, but still Tiger stadium on Saturday night. Auburn hadn't won there since 1999 uh, in Baton Rouge. And for him to that, that play he made on the scrambling touchdown throw was absolutely incredible. And uh, he deserves credit. He deserves credit when he plays well and and pulls one out on the road. So tipping my cap to Bo Nix. Uh, number 24, Wake Forest, 37, Louisville, 34. Wake Forest still undefeated, Mike. Yeah, a lot of people think they're the favorite in the ACC, which is just mind-boggling to me. Just Not because they're not good, just because they're Wake Forest. And I don't know the answer to this question. Like, Do you know why they're called Wake Forest? <laughs> I absolutely have no idea. They're, in, uh, they're located in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I have no idea. Let's do a little research, and we'll let the, we'll let the listeners know why they're called Wake Forest uh, next week. Probably you mentioned earlier, so give me your thoughts on the Clemson game. Like, what are your thoughts as an outside observer on that Tigers team? Their offense is just going to struggle all year for a number of reasons. The offensive line, well, well documented reasons. The offensive line struggling. DJ, he's just not a Trevor Lawrence. Their defense has still played great. I mean, they they played well against Boston College. They played well against really every team they've played so far but the offense is not going to blow anyone out so uh, i think they can win many of many of their games will they win the rest of their their games i don't know um as i as i said earlier there was the kind of requisite grumbling about the play calling um which i don't know look tony elliott's their offensive coordinator he didn't go from genius to idiot overnight i'm always one to tend to think that he's in practice every day he sees He's what the team does in practice. He knows what DJ's strengths and weaknesses are. 
Um, they don't have the running game that they used to with Etienne, and it's just it's going to be a bit of a struggle for Clemson the rest of this season offensively, no doubt about it. This is a nice segue into the top 25, Mike. You ready for this? Let's do it. Drop from rankings, and I'm sorry to my compadres down at Clemson. We appreciate you listening to the show because we have so few listeners, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, drop from rankings as follows. A&M, Fresno State, UCLA, Baylor, and Clemson. Wow, it's interesting. They dropped they dropped from the rankings after a win over BC with a, when all those other teams dropped out as well. I'm very surprised by that, actually. It, it doesn't um, matter, but it's surprising to me. <laughs> right. So um, others receiving votes. So Clemson got 96, AM 41, Oregon State 27. Who else here? Yeah, Beavers. You got Stanford with 11. Pitt with six, Mike? Well, Pitt, they they absolutely destroyed uh, Georgia Tech, and their offense is rolling right now with Kenny Pickett. So Pitt has six votes. Um, Western Michigan, who I believe beat Pitt, correct? Correct. They have three votes. <laughs> well, they did get smoked by uh, Michigan. <laughs> so interesting stuff. All right. 25 through 21, 25 San Diego State, 24 SMU, 23 NC State, 22 Arizona State, 21 Texas. Uh, Cincinnati needs SMU to continue to win and hopefully be undefeated when they meet in the uh, later in the regular season. I think that game's in November. 19 through 15, 19 Wake Forest, 18 Auburn, 17 Ole Miss, 16 Kentucky, 15 Coastal Carolina. It seems like no matter what they do, Coastal Carolina will be glued at number 15. That seems to be their peak. <laughs> 14 through uh, what? 10? So 14, Notre Dame, 13, Arkansas, 12, Oklahoma State, 11, Sparty, and 12, BYU. 10, BYU, you mean? 10, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sparty hanging in there. Sparty at number 11. Talk about, of all the people that you've, all the teams you've read uh, so far in this, in this, uh, poll countdown sparty would probably be the most surprising if you told me before the season they're going to be ranked 11th at this point that tailback is really good yeah he is kenneth walker i believe his oh, name yeah. i think he's the leading rusher in the country right now I yeah and they've got a punt returner who uh, has taken punts back for a touchdown consecutive games he's a dangerous guy too how about nine michigan eight oregon seven ohio state six oklahoma and five cincinnati I don't care that Oregon lost to Stanford. It's ridiculous that they're ranked below Ohio State. Four, Penn State. Three, Iowa. Two, Georgia. And one, Bama. Bama with 53 first-place votes. Georgia with nine. Um, I say this as a Penn State fan. I think Cincy, based on the results, deserves to be above Penn State, actually. Um it doesn't and, matter with, with the big game coming up against Iowa, though, because if Penn State beats Iowa, then they would deserve to be above Cincy, in my opinion. Right. So we shall see. Again, it's, it's still so very, very, very early, Mike. News items, real quick. Ready? Yep. This has been a topic of discussion, and I think the answer, to me at least, is obvious. Um, do you think the Big Ten East is better than the SEC West? I would have to say from top to bottom, yes. I mean, yeah. we already talked about those top four teams. And how they're all going to have to play each other, and it's it's such a gauntlet. And you really have Alabama and 
you know, Texas A&M and LSU have been, have been disappointing this year in the West and, and Auburn has had its struggles and we Auburn's already lost to Penn state. So to me, it's uh, at this, at this juncture of the, of the season, at this point of the season, uh, it's an obvious answer. And I, it, it could be different in three weeks, but right mm-hmm. now to me, it's like the evidence is the evidence. That Yeah. I, I, I agree with you, especially with the Auburn Penn state result. Um, Finally, a comment on targeting. So I was watching, this is like the afternoon window, like a 3.30 window, Mike, you know, like, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you have your first game and it's like, yeah, right. uh, and me and my sister Colleen are watching the games. Um, and the number of times that we watched a tackle and one of us said like, ooh, was that targeting? I couldn't count the time. I couldn't count <laughs> the time. And I hate that. I hate that, right? So Mike, of course, now, thanks to me, you are a big soccer fan. How much do you hate the VAR in soccer where every goal is reviewed? You can't actually enjoy just the result of the play. And I feel like in football now, because targeting is so um, – no one knows what it is or what it isn't. Yeah. But it, almost every tackle, you're like, is that targeting? Like, it could be. So I just think – again, we said last week, we just – I don't mind the 15-yard penalty. Can we please eliminate the ejection? It's just too much. Well, eliminate the automatic ejection. Have the you know have you should have the ability to eject someone if it was a dirty hit or or if it was you know they take four steps or something. But it should not be an automatic ejection. And may I say, to add Tim, the same thing happens in baseball. Yeah, uh, if your team throws out someone trying to steal, for example. Or a guy's coming around third for the winning run in extra innings, slides to close play, safe. Ah, we won, but everybody hit pause and just wait to see what the review says. It takes out a lot of the spontaneity and a lot of the excitement over the game. I think it's just a fact of life we have to get used to. And one more comment on your uh, what you said about thanks to you, I'm a soccer fan. Um, me and noted listener Scott Tozier may or may not have watched the Arsenal match Saturday morning on our phone at the tailgate. I cannot comment about that. So <laughs> I'm curious <laughs> down there in Carolina, like if someone saw you watching a soccer game, w- w- would that not go over well? Oh, people saw us and it did not go over well amongst uh, that's amongst our own, our own people at our tailgate. I saw, I, I heard some snide comments and some looks of disgust about, Hey, is soccer time over yet? <laughs> I love it. So, Mike, you're welcome, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> All right. Games of the week. Um, not too many this week. Num- Stanford at number 22, Arizona State, 10.30 p.m. ESPN on Friday. This will be a fun game. I-, I must admit, I've not seen Arizona State play this year. Um, clearly, I I've watched a little bit of their game against BYU. They're, they seem to be all over the place in terms of their results. They're favored by 11 and a half at home against Stanford on Friday. A 10.30 p.m. Friday kickoff. There's zero chance that uh, you'll be watching this, right, Tim? Well, actually, so Jack's game is it's about like 40 minutes away. So once I get back, I'll be able to watch it. Yes, because oh, I'll okay. stay late. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, good for you. I will uh, most probably not be tuning in. Number six, Oklahoma. Number 21, Texas. Noon, ABC in the whatever it's called now. What's it called now, Mike? The Red River Showdown. <laughs> it's not Seems the right they do change. It, it, No, it's not. The, it used to be the Red River Shootout. 
Then it used to be the Red River rivalry, which I guess no one could say. And now it's the Red River shootout from what I saw. And I, I ask every year when this week comes along and like you've been there. Mm-hmm. I think it's so cool. You've, you, you've told me like, I'll go back to that game. Yeah. Just recap. We got to, you say it's pretty amazing, right? It is. There's no game like it in terms of its atmosphere because it's right at the Cotton Bowl, right in the middle of the Texas State Fair. Uh, so there's there's hundreds of thousands of people around. Forget, you know, packing to the Cotton Bowl. There's all those people around at the fair. And you can do your your tailgating happens absolutely everywhere. Some You don't even need a tailgate. You can kind of walk around the fair. Plenty of beer to be had. And then you get to go in the Cotton Bowl, which is this relic of days gone by. And it's so great that they still play it at this old crappy stadium rather than moving it to Jerry World. Uh, which I do feel is probably going to happen some some year, but yep. so let's just yep. enjoy it while it's at the Cotton Bowl, uh, just as long as you're not seated behind one of the giant uh, cement pillars that block uh, lots of people's view. But it's a great, great game. And what what makes it such a great atmosphere is that it's it's so unique. There's nothing else like it in college football. And the two teams are big, big blue blood teams. And this year, great, great game, great matchup. Should be an important game, too obviously in that big 12 race, uh, Oklahoma favored by three and a half in the game. I would kind of lean, uh, lean Longhorns in the points there. So in terms of the fan dynamics, this is my guess. And tell me if I'm wrong. I would say like in this equation, Texas is the Ohio state and Oklahoma is the Michigan. Am I wrong? Um, I don't know if, yeah, I mean, I only went the one time. And I wasn't with anyone from Texas or Oklahoma. Um, I was with my then girlfriend uh, and a couple other people who had no idea about college football. I was the one who dragged <laughs> us to this situation. And I bought a ticket by myself and went in by myself and watched the first three quarters of the game while they kind of walked around the, the fair. So I don't know if I could say that. I mean, I, I think that Texas – they might be a little bit more of the Michigan because they're a little more elite, think, elite thinking. Yeah. They're a bit more elitist about their own school. I'm not even saying their football program about their own school. Um, so I think you might have it backwards, but I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I would call it an expert uh, more than me. Um, Mike, how about Maryland after a tough loss, having to go to Ohio state noon on fox tough ask here huh oh my god with ohio state is just getting its offense rolling now against a team that had seven turnovers and and just gave up 51 points to iowa it's ohio state's favored by 21 i'll be shocked if they don't cover that number 13 arkansas number 17 ole miss noon espn this game to me is so fascinating because it is it is both teams have their dignity stripped away from them and stomped on, <laughs> trampled on last week. How are they going to bounce back? This is a, a entirely a coaching game, and I do completely agree. I like Lane Kiffin a lot. I do. I think this situation lends itself to Sam Pittman. I completely have, agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Lane, Lane Kiffin seems like. He has such a huge ego. His ego has been hurt so much. I don't know if it can recover within a week. Whereas Pittman's more of a, you know, let's get back to work, men type of type of mentality. Ole Miss favored by six and a half. It's a noon kickoff. You're right. Fascinating uh, dynamic in this game. Number two, Georgia at number 18, Auburn. So 
we might both agree. I've seen enough Georgia to know that that team is a legit, legit, yep. legit team. But even Bama is is suspect to like an occasional like. Look, Georgia's coming off an amazing effort. They're getting like lauded left and right. Um, you're going into Auburn, tough place to play. Bo Nix, in theory, could have like a new boost of confidence. Mm-hmm. What is the line here, Mike? Georgia favored by 14 and a half. That's a big line to me. Yes, it is. I, I agree with you. It seems like the spot favors Auburn. Getting yeah. that win yeah. on the road last week. Uh, coming home, Georgia, they're not going to, <clears throat> they're, as great as they are, a, a very astute observation, even Alabama occasionally has a close game. Not that they're going to lose, but, you know, Georgia's not going to go through the rest of the season blowing out everybody. And if they're ever going to face a bit of resistance, I think uh, why not Saturday down there on the uh, on the plains, yeah? No? I agree. And look, I mean, Auburn, um Look, their one loss was on the road, a very tight game against the mm-hmm. current core team in the country. Like, they're not a bad team. They're not, you know? Yeah, I, it could be an entertaining one. Number four, PS, Penn State at number three, Iowa, 4 p.m. Fox. This is – I said, what, three weeks ago? This is going to be a war, Mike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is, do you know what the over-under is here? Uh, it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> I guess I'm guessing it's going to be in the 40s, very low. I, it's just I think it's just going to be so Iowa. So folks know, like again, they're um, DC. His next it's Parker's last name. I've heard his first name. Um, their current turnover ratio is plus 12, which is insane after five weeks of the season. Yeah, although two thirds of it is from one game. Yeah, on Friday, Penn State's is plus seven. Both defenses are unbelievable. Both offenses are again like okay, not great. I, but I wish your friends at Clemson or listeners in um, SEC country could appreciate what it is to have to go to Iowa for a night game. It's like a sense of dread because you know what's going to be like. You're not going to blow them out. It's just going to be drudgery. It's going to be. You know what I'm saying, Mike. You've been yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a physical challenge. The crowd's always into it. Four o'clock kick time. What's up with that? It's I guess it's is it because it's on Fox. It's interesting though that it's that it's at four o'clock. You don't see very many games scheduled for four. Um, and it, you're right; it will be dark by the end of the game. Um, there is something just about the way Iowa plays at home. Uh, and these two teams, of course, famously played a three-two game, right? One year, Tim. Six four, uh, six, four. six four pardon me six four <laughs> uh could be 16 14 right that would not be that crazy of a score for this game it's just a question of who's got the 16 and who's got the 14 it should be a very fun one to watch though um and i will say too like of all of our crossover rivals in the west the penn state iowa games have been the most entertaining they really have been mm-hmm. really great, great, great games um Number nine, Michigan at Nebraska, 730 ABC. I'm just saying, look, Nebraska's playing better. They, they are. are. So Michigan better be careful. Yep, they're improving. Everyone, they, they played very well against Oklahoma. They should have beat Michigan State. And then they throttled a very, very bad Northwestern team uh, 
on Saturday. The Wolverines, three-point favorites coming in after kind of an emotional win, right, over a Wisconsin, Wisconsin team that dominated them the past couple of years. So uh, this, this should be a very, very tight game. I'd probably take Nebraska and the points at home. Finally, uh, number one, Bama at A&M, APM, CBS. Um, look, Bama is a steamroller. We know they are. Um, but you just have to like, <laughs> like you think like, look, Jimbo is a good coach and he's won the biggest prize. Like, is there any chance he can pull a rabbit out of the hair, Mike? I do not think so. Alabama's a 17 and a half point favorite. This Texas A&M team, I mean, they didn't even look good when they beat Colorado, which has not beaten an FBS team all year. Uh, so I, I don't think it's a very good Texas A&M team, and I think Bama will make short work of them. Mike, our picks last week were what? We both took it on the chin last week, Tim. Uh, you took LSU over Auburn, Ugh. and I know, terrible. And for some inexplicable reason, I took Purdue over Minnesota, and they ended up losing. So I'm 2-3 and three on the year. You are 1-4. and four. <laughs> Bobby, hit the buffer plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't gamble. I don't. Pushers. I never Pushers. have, and I never will. Yeah, right. The Mike Hunger 50-50 possible lot, probably loser of the week. Please hang up and try again. Tim, for this week's Lock of the Week, we are going to bourbon country, Louisville, Kentucky, home of my favorite drink and also the Louisville Cardinals, who host Virginia coming in. Now, Louisville has played very, very well all season long since getting blown out by Ole Miss uh, on opening night. They won three in a row, then they lost a very, very close three-point game at Wake Forest last week. Virginia's been inconsistent all over the place. They, they be, They're coming in off a win over a very, very poor Miami team, but it hasn't been the type of year Virginia wanted. Both teams are three and two. Louisville, two and a half point home favorites. I think they have a the more dynamic offense. They have the home field advantage, and I think they're going to beat the Cavaliers by at least a field goal, so I'm taking Louisville. I have zero confidence at this point, but I will take Arkansas to cover, Mike. Really? Uh, interesting. So you're going with Arkansas plus the six and a half yeah. against Ole yeah. Miss at the Grove. As we said, that'll be a fascinating game, but I, I like your pick. I'd take the points there, too. Like your plans this weekend or what? This weekend, Tim, I will be watching uh, most of the early games at home, and then I'm going to a friend's 50th birthday party. Uh, it's going to be a fun one with, like, a bartender and uh, an oyster shucker and uh, things like that. We're going to camp out at his house. He lives way out in the country on 50-something acres, so – It'll be a great night. I'll be watching football there as well. Um, and hopefully uh, I'll get to see a, a more games than I have in the, in the past couple of weeks. Very nice. I have, uh, what do I have this weekend? I'm going to have Jack's game on Friday night. And then, uh, yeah, so it'll be a nice kind of chill weekend, I think. Mike? Does the, does the whole family go to Jack's games? Uh, if it's home, we kind of all go. If it's away, this week's away, it's kind of far away. So, like. Maybe just me. So, what's the team's record? Jack's team? Yeah. <laughs> you saw Mike. It's 4 1. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Most of that is due to coaching because they, they have a very fired up coach. Well, that's good. 
good luck to Jack. I hope he doesn't shank any more field goals and bring uh, shame on his family name, as you indicated that he did earlier. I'd like to just, I'd like to just credit him for making the uh, PATs and converting all those onside kicks. That's awesome. So enjoy that game. I uh, hope you're sitting down in front of the TV on Saturday watching uh, Penn State, Iowa, because that is going to be a war. I'm really looking forward to watching that one. Me too. All right, Mike, there's one thing to say. Put Joss. Put Joss. Thank you for listening to the TCFA podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.